This morning uh, we're continuing, we've been going through the book of Mark for some time, as you know. We're getting towards the, uh, the part of Easter. And um, so, you know, this uh, story tonight is really from about the last day of Jesus' life before the cross. And, um, and we're looking particularly at uh, Peter, the man called Peter today. We can relate to him really well. If you ever read the Bible much and you know Peter, you, you relate to him. Why do you relate to him? Just out of interest? Because <laughs> he stuffs up a lot. Yeah, right, okay. Well, that's Rob. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah, okay, no, that's good. So I'm reading from Mark 14, verse 26 to 31, firstly. And this is at the end of uh, what's called uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, no, it's um, just after the Lord's Supper. Yeah, that's right. And they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die, I will not deny you. And they were all, and all, they were all said the same. And then uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Peter gets arrested. Uh, sorry, Peter. Jesus gets arrested and uh, they take him off and they're starting to question him. And then we go to verse 66. Um, uh, and Peter sort of followed behind, hanging back in the crowd, sort of hoping no one would notice him. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself by, he was by fire, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. Then he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, while the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered what Jesus had said to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Okay. Peter, I want to go back a bit. There's three things I'm going to tell you today. I'm getting into three-point sermons, as you notice. So we've dropped from the eight-point sermons to the three-point sermons. Uh, so that's good. That way each point can go for about 40 minutes and, <laughs> and you'll be praying for the fire engine to come. Um, First is Peter, who is the rock of the church. Then we're going to talk about Peter, his character and his weaknesses, which we know are there. And the third, Peter learns to rely on God. First, though, Peter, the rock of the church. What is the church? Gathering of people. Gathering of people, gathering of believers, God's people. What are they like? Well, Hopefully they're characterised by love because that's what Jesus was characterised by. That's what we should be known for. 
So that's what the church is known for if you watch the news, isn't it? When they have something about the church, they'll say, and the ch- by the way, the church is just full of loving people. Yeah, that shouldn't be a joke, should it? Uh, what's the church known for? Well, there's a lot. It's known for being abusive, sexually immoral, greedy, rich, definitely hypocritical. Now, that's not God's church if he planned it. It was to be known as lo- by love. And it was known uh, also by the confession of Jesus as Saviour. And we'll get to that in a minute. But why I call Peter the Rock is because Jesus calls Peter the Rock. Peter's name was Simon. Do you know that? And Jesus, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. And you know what? Peter, it's a Greek word, Petros, which means rock. So it's pretty basic that, okay? He changed his name to rock. And in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus said to them, who do people say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father who is in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Peter seemed to be the first disciple who actually understood that Jesus was actually the Saviour, the Messiah. And Jesus said to his brother, All right, now Peter, you bang on. That's my translation. Um, but that thought wasn't your own. God put that in your head. And so you are very blessed. You're blessed to know that. And, and the rock of the church that is built upon is the confession Jesus is Saviour in the mouth of a human being. Can you get that? In Peter's mouth. The rock that the church is built on is the confession that Jesus is the Saviour. But it's not in the mouth of a sorted out human being because Peter was never that, was he? It's in the um, mouth of broken, failing, weak people. That's who the church is for. Not rich, successful, strong people. That's who the, that's who the church is not, actually. So, this is the truth of the church is revealed, and this church is going to be so strong that even the gates of hell, the powers of darkness, will not prevail against this church. Why? Because, again, because the church is strong and got it all together? No. Not because they're glorious, but because they are held by God. Now, if you read Luke's, version of what's just happened. Luke tells us that Jesus said, particularly to Peter, Satan, that's a devil, has desired to sift you all like wheat. He's desired to grind you up. But I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you've turned back, you'll strengthen your brothers. He wants to crush you, but you won't be crushed. Why? Because I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And furthermore, after you deny me, you will turn back and you'll encourage lots of others. And that's the church. Can you understand what I'm saying? Not everyone thinks like me, so my brain's always a bit all over the place. But, you see, the church is not those people who are better than all the others. Uh, Or else Peter's out, isn't he? When we look at human standards, that's not who we are. Actually, like Peter, we are weak, 
We are flaky, is the word people say. We are broken. Maybe we're at, at very best normal. Yep, about average. And sometimes a bit strange. I guess that's the church. Yeah. Not anyone here, of course. Um, but we are those who know that Jesus has saved us. Yes? We don't save ourselves. We are sinners. Everybody else is sinners. It's just interesting. I don't want to talk tales about him, Warrawee, but I went over and I was just going through uh, Mulga today and I said, you know, Faye, would you like to come to church? And she said, yes, I would. And then I went to the next lady and I said, would you like to come to church? And she said, no. And then I walked on to ask someone else. And when I came back, the, that lady said, no, I said, I'm a bad person, aren't I? And I said, why is that? She said, because I don't want to come to church. And I said, we're all bad. Everybody over there is as well. Yeah, it's just that we are saved through Jesus. He's the one who's been good for us, not because we're all good. Anyway, she didn't come. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to tell that story. <laughs> okay. All of us have broken God's commandments, haven't we? Multiple times. So we do not stand as morally superior to anyone else. We are Christians because Jesus is our saviour, which means he saved us, which means we haven't saved ourselves because he did what we couldn't do. He took our sins onto himself. We couldn't do that. And that comes to us by grace, which is called a gift. It's a gift of God. And we know Jesus as our saviour. He loved us so that we can love one another. So there's my first point. What is the rock of the church? I didn't sound very solid when I described it, did it? It sounded a bit shaky. Why is it solid? Because the church believes in Jesus the Saviour. That makes sense? Point two. What was, char- what was uh, the character of Peter? Peter denied Jesus three times. Now look, just imagine you've got this pastor called Derek and you hear that I went down to IGA and someone said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, no, no, I don't know Jesus. And then in the next aisle, someone said to me, uh, hey, you, you go to that church, don't you? Oh, no, I don't go to any church. I don't know anything about Jesus. And then finally, in the aisle where the cheese and stuff is, um, oh, you're, you're, the, you're a Christian, aren't you? No, no, I don't want anything to do with that Jesus. Now, you hear about that. What would you say about it? Come on. <laughs> you say that anyway. <laughs> would you say, oh, I'm really starting to have my doubts about that bloke. Could he really be a Christian? Who does that? Yeah? This is the rock, by the way. You know, this, is, this is after Jesus is called him the rock. This is, this is later on. Peter was not known for being the smartest person. That's true. But he, he was also known for being full of doubts. Why was he, do you know why he was denying people? Because they'd seen Jesus arrested and he, and he was pretty sure that if he confessed up that he was with Jesus, he'd get arrested too. So, so that's why he denied him, I think. But Peter was that one who, you know that person when you're sitting around the table and there's an awkward silence, there's that one person who will always speak first. What comes out of their mouth may not be worth hearing, but they will speak first. 
That was Peter. You might be that person. I can see three or four of you are. Um, and you, you, he always seemed to blurt out what he was thinking, even if that was sensible or not. He was a fairly average sort of bloke, right? And I think a personality that is very well known. Um, they say that your personality is reflected by what car you drive. I don't own a car. Um, that was a joke. Um, thanks. Um, Peter was fallen. He was headstrong. He was faithful. And then he was unfaithful. He was strong and then he was weak. He was like any of us on any day. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came on the church, he was the first up to preach. And he preached strongly and boldly. And uh, when he was threatened with getting beaten for confessing Jesus, he went on and confessed Jesus. And then later, years later, in Galatians 2, you can read about this in the second half of that chapter, we find that Peter was sucked into thinking that the Jews were better than the Gentiles and he was better than others and he became proud, kind of in a racist sort of way. And Paul took him aside and gave him some harsh words and reminded him the good news about what Jesus had done was for all people and forgiveness from every race, men and women and class and society and everything. What I'm saying is Peter is the rock of the church, a man full of failings, to begin with, and full of failings later on too. Are you encouraged by this? Why? <laughs> because we know what we like, don't we? Sometimes, like, you know, the promise Peter made hours before he denied Jesus was, they might all fall away from you, but I will never fall away. Not me, not this little black duck. Do we ever make promises like that? I will never do that. I would never. I'm going to, or maybe I have done that, but this time I'm going to change for real. Well, if you're that sort of person, you'll actually fit pretty well in the church. But if you are that person that thinks you are stronger, more moral, superior, more worthy, then you will actually struggle with the message of the church. You'll struggle with the message of Jesus because you will actually believe that you are quite capable of saving yourself and making yourself right for God. God is so perfect and so holy, as Jody said before, that if we have a thought that we could ever reach his standard of holiness, it is a silly thought. He is far and above even our highest thought of what holiness would look like. So the thought that we could make ourselves fit for him is just a crazy thought. We need Jesus to save us. And when we do, we are blessed because when we uh, believe in Jesus, because we have this revelation of truth, Jesus is our saviour. So that's Peter's character. Peter, um, we find out later... Something really special happened. This is uh, how did Peter learn to rely on God? How do how do you come back from that? Like uh, you deny three times that Jesus, uh, you even know him, and then you see him crucified, and then he's raised from the dead. And what do you think you're going to face up to 
when you face up to him? Like a damn good thrashing or something? Judgment? That would be my natural thought. I'm in big trouble. I promised I'd follow him anywhere and then I denied three times I knew him. What am I in for here? And what did Jesus say? Raised from the dead when he met with the disciples. Do you remember? Peace be with you. That must have been a good word, mustn't it? And um, a bit later on, uh, they're out fishing and they see Jesus on the beach and Jesus is cooking fish. And there's this special interaction where Jesus kind of restores Peter. Not because Peter needed restoring in the sense that his sins were already forgiven. But sometimes you need to be told that you're restored, don't you? You need to go through a thing. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. It's like when you tell one of your kids off and then afterwards you tell them you love them. Uh, Not because you ever stopped loving them when you were telling them off, but because they need to know. And so it's in John 21, verse 15. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes. Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times he asked him to restore him three times from a denial three times. And he said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Is that because Jesus had a flock of sheep? No. To be a pastor is to be a shepherd. And he was saying, shepherd the flock. Care for the flock. Because I've restored you, you can shepherd the flock. Can, can you see that? When we know Jesus has restored us, we can actually, you know, I started by saying we love one another. We actually have the dignity and the strength to love one another because he's restored us to a place where we can do that. Am I making sense? It's nice to be restored, but you're not restored just to sit there. You're restored to do something, to be to live as Christians. And Peter became the le- uh, one of the leaders in the early church after denying Jesus three times. You see, when someone's mad with you, I don't know if anyone ever has you, someone who's been angry with you. Never. Never. Right, let's use Clyde as an example. <laughs> Clyde's done something wrong, not the first time. And Linda's angry with him. And what Clyde is worried about is that when the two of them come together to, to converse, that Linda is going to hold that thing in, in between them. It, it's like a, a, a great blockage in their relationship. And maybe Linda sometimes does that. I don't know. <laughs> what Peter's worried about is that Jesus is going to do that with him. Jesus is not the one that holds our sin in front of us and says, look, I'm very disappointed in you. We hear a word from God the Father because Jesus has taken all our sins. Do you know what he says? 
Here is my son, but if you're a lady, here is my daughter in whom I delight. Can you hear that? He's not shoving it in our face. Look what you've done again. Pack your bags, we're going on a guilt trip, that sort of thing. He's not doing that. He forgives our sins and we face up to him as one who only loves us. Isn't that excellent? Isn't that good? God's not shoving your sin in your face. And he's not the one who will abandon us when we get it wrong. Even if we make lots of mistakes. Jesus restores sinners like he restored Peter. He took all our sin, even though he hadn't sinned. He took the judgment for our sin, even though he shouldn't have taken that. He took all of our sins in the punishment and he gave us the gift of forgiveness. And that is a gift for all who will simply trust in him. Followed by eternal life, life forever, life after death. So how did Peter end up? Well, you hear a lot more about Peter. You hear him in the book of Acts, tell some of the things he did. Uh, you find uh, he had the ups and downs. You actually do find he trusted Jesus to the end. He was actually, he was actually martyred. He was put to death for believing in Jesus. So he, uh, he trusted in Jesus right to the end. And towards the end of his life, he wrote a book, uh, a number of letters to the church. And one of them is uh, 1 Peter. And I want to read this uh, bit of passage, which Rob read before, actually. But Peter said this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So Peter's saying, we've been made new by mercy, by God's kindness. He knew that, didn't he? How do you find that out? You find it out the hard way, don't you? That's how you find mercy. Not because of his goodness. Peter knew better than anyone he was saved by mercy. To a living hope. That's a hope that's alive. That's a hope that's real. It's not some vain hope about something which could happen. This is sure. He's saying through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is un imperishable, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you because Jesus was raised from the dead we too can have eternal life that's impossible huh? life after the grave death is the greatest enemy we have but Jesus was raised from the dead so that we too can have that same hope of resurrection and that hope is kept safe in heaven because that's where Jesus is, keeping it safe for us. That's where he is, raised from the dead. And we who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. The last time is coming, that our salvation will be revealed. We are safe because it's kept safe in God's hands. In this you rejoice, rejoice though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. The Christian life has all sorts of trials, hardships and sufferings. But in the end, he says, these end up purifying us. So that test, the, so that, this is Peter's words, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it's tested by fire, might be found 
to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can you see what Peter's saying here? I've seen it. I've been through some hard times. And I think when Peter's saying that, he's thinking, and I've caused a whole lot of them myself. Aren't they the worst sort of problems you have in your life? The problems that you've caused? Yeah? And he's saying, but through these... My faith has been proved. A bit like, you know, what happens with gold is you heat it up and when you get it really hot because you know that gold's really, really heavy, any impurities float to the surface and then they purify it by skimming the top off. Yep. And then they might heat it up again and skim the top again and skim the top again and it gets more and more pure, the gold. Through hardships, that's what God's doing to us. He's actually purifying us. Peter knew it. He'd been through plenty of hardships. Some of himself caused. Though you have seen him, you love him. Sorry, though you have not seen him, Peter had seen him, we haven't. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Do you trust in Jesus? Because when you do, you actually get an inexpressible joy, a peace that's beyond human understanding throughout whatever you face in life. Through the failings of others, through the failings of yourself, God gives you the ability to love and forgive and be the person that you were created to be. I'm going to pray. Father, we want to thank you for Peter. Thank you for the great example of faith that he is to us. And we thank you that when we see his example, we know that that's just how we are. And so we can have confidence too in the forgiveness that you've given us. Father, we we confess to you, we haven't lived up to your holy standard. We haven't obeyed your laws. We haven't loved others as we should. We've been selfish when we should have been selfless. We've wanted to rule over others when you've called us to be servants. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins that you've given us through Jesus and that he bore the punishment that we deserved. And I pray that your Holy Spirit work in each one of our hearts to remind us and reveal to us the truth that we have a saviour, Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.